Well, good morning. I was told to speak up because we don't have the radios today, so I'll do my best, but we'll see how we get on. If you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. Uh, Marilyn asked me this morning, so what are you going to be speaking on today? And I said, John chapter 14, and she said, let not your heart be troubled. Right off the bat, she knew exactly where we were going to be, and uh, I appreciated that this morning. Uh, I've been going through a series of the I Am's in John's Gospel. Last time I spoke, I can't even remember now. I guess it was probably a little over a month ago. We did I Am the Resurrection and the Life in John chapter 11 when he raised Lazarus. At this point, the Lord is with the disciples in the upper room. Uh, he has washed their feet. Um, they have uh, partaken of a meal. And Judas has exited uh, the scene. And so now it's just uh, the 11 there with our Lord. And the idea is, the Lord is telling them, I'm going to be going away. I'm going to be leaving. And you're not going to see me anymore. And the disciples were saying, you know, well, we want to go with you. And Peter was saying, I'll die for you. I'll die with you. And the Lord tells Peter, um, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And you can kind of just tell the feeling in the room is probably getting pretty, pretty low, pretty down. And the Lord, being so compassionate and so gracious, understood that and, of course, knew that that was going to be the case. And he breaks right in in John 14, chapter 1. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, Show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father." And the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father. And he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. 
and he that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. Judas saith unto him, Not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me, not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, you would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. There is something to be said in taking a verse from the scripture and preaching from it, expounding the teaching of the meaning of that verse. And often we hear messages, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And those are extremely helpful because it's, a, it's something short, sweet that you can remember. It's something that you can take with you and never forget. And I think this idea here is what's interesting is in verse, verses 7 through 14, our Lord is going to explain how he is the way, how we can know he is the way. Verses 15 through 17, he's the idea of truth, that the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. And verses 18 to 25, he's going to explain how he is the life. And in this idea from, from 26 to 31, he's explaining why these things are taking place. Um, and it is a beautiful picture in this chapter. And so we will take, a, Lord willing, take a whole look at the chapter and try to get through it in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. And then in, the next time I speak, Lord willing, we may tackle John chapter 15, I am the true vine. Um, the interesting thing about this, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. What's interesting about this passage is for them it would have been hard to see that they've always been told God is God. There is no other. He is one God. And the Lord is saying, you believe in God, believe also in me. We're the same. We're equal. We're one. And that would have been difficult for them to understand. And he goes to explain a place in my father's house. In my father's house there are many mansions. And we know the real term is dwelling places, many places to dwell um, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And the idea, not in, in, the same, in one sense, we always view it as he's going to prepare us for the place, right? He's going to go to the cross, and he's going to die on the cross and make, be the way of salvation. He's going to prepare us for the place. But he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And the idea that something has to take place in heaven before we get there in our bodies, before we have this marriage supper of the Lamb, all these things that have to take place. So 
in this sense, we cannot understand exactly what's it like, what's, going to, what's it going to be like. Um, but what we do know of heaven, it will be a place where we're doing a lot of singing, where we're doing a lot of praising, where we're doing a lot of serving, where we're doing a lot of worshiping, and also where we're doing eating. So we can all get excited about that. That was the one thing. It was always a question, you know, what's, what's food going to be like in heaven? I don't know, but I'm excited. So the idea is um, he's going to prepare a place for you. And verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And that's really the heart of our Lord. And that's what we were remembering this morning. And the idea, we're, we're showing forth his death until he comes. But he longs for us to be with him. And he's preparing a place that where he is, we may be. And it is a glorious thing to remember. And it's really the whole purpose for which he came, that we could be with him and that we could be perfected, we could be redeemed. Um, all things would be made right again. Um, verse 4, it says, And whither I go or where I go ye know, and the way ye know. And Thomas, thankfully, speaks up and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And that's a question many people have when you ask them. How do you get to heaven? Have you ever asked somebody that? Like honestly, like been in a real conversation with somebody who is answering back and forth with you honestly, and you're, you're bearing all your cards on the table, and you ask them point blank, okay, how do you get to heaven? You wouldn't believe the kind of answers you get. And they give it to you like, well, this is the way. Let me tell you, okay? You're going you're gonna to go down this road. You're going to make a right. Then you're going to go up and you're going to make a left. And they try to explain this maze to you of how you're going to get to heaven. You're going you're to try to be a good person, okay? And, and when you fail, you're going to have to say you're sorry. And then you're going to have to pay them back. And then you're going to have to try to do good unto them, you see? And you're going to have to do that to every person you wrong. And then, you, you know, you hope in the end that, you know, when the time comes and you die that he'll let you in. You'll, you'll skate in. I have a, an uncle uh, who's Catholic, uh, raised Lutheran, converted Catholic, um, and he says, I'm not shooting for heaven, I'm shooting for purgatory. And I said, what's that? Well, it's the place you go in between. You know, you didn't do enough to get your way into heaven, you weren't bad enough to go to hell, and so you still have to be cleansed and purified in purgatory. So you go to purgatory until you do enough time there and then you graduate to, to heaven. I said, and how do you know that? He says, I have no idea. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's funny, but it's sad. And it's sad because people are in hell. And people are suffering. And hell is a very, very real place. And there are many, many people there and on their way there. Our family... Friends, neighbors, co-workers, all these people. We have the opportunity to introduce them to the way. To show them Christ. And how many times do we kind of just go throughout the day and we're so worried about our own stresses, our own worries. And in the beginning of the chapter, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Don't worry about those things. Listen up. I'm going to tell you something really important. Let not your heart be troubled. You know those things I told you how I'm going to go away and I'm going to be killed and I'm going to be handed over and you're going to scatter and you're going to deny me? All these things. Let not your heart be troubled. 
you're going to go to give someone the gospel and you're just going to completely muddle it. And it's going to be something that doesn't make any sense. And they're going to look at you with a blank stare and you're going to walk away and you're probably going to feel pretty terrible about yourself. That happens. <laughs> Let not your heart be troubled. Continue to show the way. The idea we had on Boys Brigade on Tuesday night was a message, strive to enter in at the straight gate. And it's not a matter of I'm going to do my best to get there. It's, it's get serious, mean business about what the Lord is saying. Get serious about eternity in heaven and what the gospel is. And we thought about this, this idea of entering in and walking through the straight gate and the idea of Noah and the ark and that he built an ark and for a hundred years they're watching him build this thing, watching him build this thing, hearing that the rain's coming, judgment's coming, and they ignore him. They don't believe him. Then all of a sudden Noah goes into the ark with his family and God closes the door. And they're in there for, I think it was seven days or so, until the rain started coming. Could you imagine for the rest of those people that heard that message that lived not too far from where the ark was and all of a sudden rain started coming? Something you never seen before that Noah was saying would happen? And them running to the ark, trying to get in, trying to get on, open the door, banging on the side of the, the ark, let me in. Let me in. Door's closed. Can't get in. It's too late. That's the mindset we need to have when we're talking about the gospel, getting the gospel out, telling these people, what's it worth to us? Are we willing to be humiliated for the gospel, for the sake of their soul and for the sake of Christ? Are we willing to humble ourselves and put ourselves in that position? Thomas, thankfully, was willing to look foolish in front of all, all the disciples. What if Thomas was the only one that didn't know? What if all the others knew? Come on, Thomas. What have you been doing? Pay attention. The Lord's been talking about it for the last three years. But Thomas asked. Thomas was willing to put himself on the line. And we have this great truth now, thanks to someone who was willing to humble himself. And the idea, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You, you would not believe when Kathy gave me this verse before I was saved what I said. You would think, well, this guy's just dumber than dirt. I don't know how he could come up with such a convoluted um, interpretation of this passage. And I said something or other of the way that, uh, well, Christ is, is showing us the way how to live, how we must act, who, who God is, and, and what we need to do in order to be like him. So he's the way, the truth, and the life. And if we live like he does, we walk in the way, and we follow the word, then he'll give us life. That was terrible. But, believe it or not, that's what people believe. People honestly think that. And we need to take the time to tell them, look, Christ didn't come to point to the way. He came to be the way. He is the way. He came to die in our place. And it's the idea that no man comes unto the Father but by me. There's not many other ways to get there. There's not things that you can do. There's not, oh, if I, you know, if I just do these good things or if I attend all the meetings. And we've been struggling with this, Kathy and I. What are we supposed to be doing as believers in Christ? We've been given life. 
We've been forgiven. We've been redeemed. We know where we're going. We know our eternal resting place. The place is being prepared. It's getting ready. Are we just supposed to be sitting back? We go to meetings. We go to work. We, we read our Bibles. We, we pray. Um, we share the gospel when it's asked, when it comes up. If it comes up, we do our best in a way sometimes to avoid it. I was at the grocery store this week, and there was a gentleman in front of me who was living in his, his truck, and he was just pouring out his soul to the, uh, the, the cashier. And the guy at the cashier was just, you know, doing his job. Yeah, okay, you know, talking to him, feel bad for you. And I had the opportunity right there, and, and the gentleman walks out the door. He's gone. And the cashier looks at me, and man, he says, man, what a terrible life. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I, I, was, I was so caught off guard that I just didn't really say anything. And I walked out the door. I wasn't ready. I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't looking for the opportunity. I wasn't prepared. And that's the idea. As believers, we are to always be prepared to give an answer. And I wasn't. So what is this Christian life? What are we talking about? What is life supposed to be like? Constant fellowship with our Lord and Savior through the Spirit. All right, he says he's come and he is the life. All right, we, we're, we, we were born, we're physically alive, but he's going to give us spiritual life. Well, what are we doing with that spiritual life? What's it supposed to be like? These are the questions we need to be asking. What would the Lord have us to do? Is he pleased with, with, uh, with all of us in our, in our spiritual walk? He definitely was not pleased with me when I walked out of the grocery store and I didn't say anything. So this idea, no one comes unto the Father but by me. Verse 7, if ye had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip, another one, willing to humble himself. Lord, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. That's pretty bold. Show us the Father, and, and we'll be okay. That'll be enough for us. Just show us the Father. And sometimes I think we have that attitude, or we run into people that have that attitude. If God wanted me to trust him, he would come right down, sit right there, and tell me. Well, okay. He ain't going to do that. You know, he, he's spoken all things through his son, and his son has told you all these things that you need to know. But are we willing to be patient with that individual? It says, if you had known me, you have known the Father. It says, have I been so long time with you, and yet thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Again, that was probably pretty difficult for them to take in. That Christ is in the Father and the Father is in Christ. It's almost as difficult as the idea that we are in the Lord and the Lord is in us. Do we live that way? Do we believe that way? And it says, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Do you not see the things that I'm doing? Do you not see the things that have been done? Believe me just based on those works. The works show forth that I'm telling the truth, that you can trust me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, 
that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. And we know this doesn't just mean if we ask him anything, he gives it to us. Um, Otherwise, we'd all have a bunch of things that we really didn't need. (laughs) The idea here is that the purpose that we would ask the Father anything in his name is in this Lord's name is so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. When we pray, to what end are we praying? How is the Father going to be glorified in the Son based on what we're praying, based on what we're asking? And based on the works that we've seen the Lord do, in what way are we trying to do those same works? Going unto people, helping people, teaching them who the Father is, praying with people, healing people, all these things, spiritually. There's certain things that we just cannot do. Um, Raising the dead, I've never seen it happen. And four days later, go to a tomb and say, you know, arise, come forth. You know, that doesn't happen. But he says, greater works than these shall you do. When Christ left, there was about 500 people standing there watching him ascend into heaven. And on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached, there were about 3,000 that came to the Lord. One message, one, one opportunity. I'd say that was a pretty great work. You know, the idea that we, we rejoice over Amelia getting saved and and that I was was almost in tears right now but the idea that now it seems like we're laboring so much just to see one soul saved how how difficult is it right now to get people to see the truth to get people to see Christ so many things they've, they've heard so many things about Christ they don't even know what to believe we are to show them who Christ is based on our works based on what we are doing and how we live this life. And if we are not doing that, then we're not fulfilling our purpose here. So this is the idea that Christ is the way. Christ is in the Father, and the Father is in him. He is the way. He's not pointing you the way. He's not telling you how to get there or showing you this way. He is the way. If you're in Christ, you're in the Father. You're in. And like Noah and his family, once you're in, you're in. But if you're not, and it's too late, then it's too late. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. So this is the idea that he's going to go through the truth here. If you love me, keep my commandments. It's interesting, I didn't realize this until I really started studying this passage a couple months ago, but later on we'll get to it. But in verse 31, it says, but that the world may know that I love the Father. I looked, but that was the only time I found where the Lord himself said, I love the Father. He didn't say it anywhere else, not that I found, in, in the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But here in this verse 31, I love the Father. And it was interesting to think that, you know, uh, my wife and I tell each other we love each other all the time. Because we don't often obey each other's commandments. We don't often do what's asked of us. And so you've got to make up for it and say, oh, you know, don't, I'm sorry, but I love you. You know, okay, thanks, but 
get it done, take trash out. Um, and that's the idea here. If, if I would just take trash out when laundry was there, do the laundry, fold it, put it back, clean the house, you know, make breakfast, make dinner, get all this stuff done so that she didn't have to, well, she'd know I loved her. She still would say, well, I, I still want to hear it, but I appreciate all these things that she's doing, but I still want to hear it. And this is the idea here. If you love me, keep my commandments. We can come every Lord's Sunday and just pour our hearts out for how much we love the Lord and be completely sincere because we do. We, we love the Lord for all that he's done for us. But throughout the week, what are we doing to keep his commandments? And when we're here, our attitude, what are we doing to keep his commandments? Oftentimes we look at the Lord's commandments being, you know, love one another, um, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Those are the two commandments we, we point to. But all the New Testament epistles, or all the commandments of the Lord, Paul writes unto the, the church in Corinth, I think it is, um, and if one claims to be a prophet, let him acknowledge that the things I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Church order, church practice, how we're supposed to be going about this. And so when it comes to that point where one of us comes up and asks, you know, why, why do we do things the way we do things? Why do we break bread and why, why is someone else wrong if they only break it once a month? Why is it bad if they, um, it's just all the, the, the women are, are speaking out loud and taking part? Why is that wrong? Why is that wrong? It says we are commanded, this is the order that we are to operate by. Do you love the Lord? Well, yeah, I love the Lord. Well, then obey the commandments. It's, it, there's so many things, and, and we can sit down and we can go into the reasons why. And we can take the time and we can go over it. But in the end, it's going to come to, do you have a will to obey the Lord? Do you have a will to obey the commandments the Lord's given you? And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes at certain points, the answer is no, I don't. I don't have the will right now. And the answer to that is, well, then you need to go and pray and spend time with the Lord so that he may make you willing. And that's what we need to do. We need to take the time. We need to take things seriously. Um, this is a new year. This is a new opportunity, uh, in a sense. You know, take, take the opportunity. But the Lord doesn't leave us helpless. He doesn't just say, obey my commandments, knowing full well that we don't have the capability of doing so. He sends us a comforter, one to come alongside. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. And this is the truth we have of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells every believer once they trust Christ. That we have the opportunity to show out the works of the Lord, the truth of the Lord, because the Spirit's in us. It's nothing of ourselves that we are doing, but it's God working through us. And that's the picture the, uh, the Lord gives of himself. These works that I do are not from me. These words that I say are not from me. They're from my Father. And we need to have that attitude too. Almost to a point where if only we had a little bit of a filter. Sometimes I say things and Kathy looks at me. And I, I realize I said something I shouldn't have said. I didn't realize that, you know, if only she could look at me before I was about to say something, then I would kind of be like, oh, never mind. <laughs> That's the thought we need to have. When we go to speak, and when we're speaking to somebody, my grandfather was a, was a great example. He, he passed and went home to be with the Lord when I was 11. And 
I remember I used to ask him questions. And it may be like three days until he gave me an answer. And I, it used to be frustrating. I was frustrated. I was like, you know, ask you a question. And he wouldn't even acknowledge the fact that he even heard me sometimes. And three days he'd say, you know, you asked me a question a couple days ago about such and such. I said, I don't remember, you know. But he would tell me the answer. And then I would say, oh, I remember asking you that question. And it's almost like when we go to speak, everything that we do, are we, are we making sure that the Father is going to be glorified in the Son in what I'm saying? That would completely change our speech and how we go about our day-to-day life and our interactions with people. Now, obviously, we know we can't be so amped up all the time. But if we take the time to get to know the Spirit, the person of the Spirit, who He is, what He wants, what He's trying to do through us, when those opportunities come, we'll let Him do the work. And then He'll be right there, ready to, 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 to shine out of us. And we'll be able to praise God, and, and the world will know and be able to praise Him as well. So this is the idea that uh, the Spirit is not a... A feeling we get when we're in a great meeting and people, I mean, when we were at Rise Up and people were singing, there's 550 people singing and harmonies going on. And I mean, it's just, man, this feels great. It's not the work of the Spirit. (laughs) That's just, it just feels good. It's just a happy thing to be singing praises to the Lord. That's a wonderful thing. But the Spirit is the one that comes alongside of us and teaches us the truth from God's word. Let me, let, me, let me tell you, let me show you the truth of who Christ is. Let me show you how Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Let me explain these things to you. And when we learn of, this, of the Lord through the Spirit from his word, then all of a sudden we have this truth. What's right? What's wrong? What would the Lord have me to do? You cannot know truth if you're not spending time in the word. I'm sorry. It's hard work. It takes time. You're going to have to put the hours in. You're going to have to open the Word, and you're going to have to read it. You're going to have to study it. You're going to have to pray over it. And you're going to have to experience it for yourself. Because the Holy Spirit is a person. And He wants complete freedom with us, in us, to work out. I wouldn't have any experience with Kathy if I never got to know her. If I just said, hey, you, you, know, you want to just stand by me? I don't really feel like talking right now or doing anything, but just stand here. Okay, now we're going to go here. Okay, now we're going to go here. Now we're, no, we're going to go over there. We wouldn't know anything about each other. We have to have experience with one another. We have to talk to one another. We have to see, uh, you know, there's certain things that I do. There's certain things that I didn't know before we got married that I did that she didn't like. Then we got married, and then we were in the same room, and it's like, I can't stand how you take your socks off in the middle of the night and leave them in the bed. I can't stand it. And so now I, I, I don't do that. I take my socks off. And so it's the idea. There has to be this experience. There has to be a getting to know one another. And the idea is, when we really take a second to think about it, that the God of the universe just craves to have fellowship with us. He just wants us to know him so bad. So bad that he would send his son to suffer in our place. When we were vile, wretched sinners, on our way to hell, rebelling against God, he looks down at us 
And he says, I want them to know me, and I want them to know that I love them. I'm going to send my son. And he's going to die in their place. And by his blood, all that come to have faith in him, I'm going to place in him, and I'm going to bring them to myself. That's the way to heaven. That's the only way to heaven. And that's the truth. A lot of times, we have conversations with people, and they say, well, that's, that's what you think, or that's what your religion teaches, or that's what your church teaches, even. And it says, look, we can sit down and read together, and you can, you can try to tell me something else, but this is the truth. This is right. And we don't have to, we don't have to apologize for the truth. We don't have to apologize for what's right. We need to deliver the truth in the best, most humble, compassionate way possible. We don't have to apologize for it. How they take it, what they do with it, is up to them. And it pains us to see somebody that's so close to salvation, so close to being in Christ, and then walking away. When we think of Judas, just, just before, goes up, to, takes the sop, goes to betray him, we see him next time in the garden and he comes and he kisses the Lord and walks away. We think, you know, in a, in a sense, you know, Christ says, I am the door, that Judas kissed the door of heaven and walked away to hell. It's just, it's painful. But these things are happening and we need to be aware. We need to be open to these things. Um, verse 18 He's going to talk about the life now. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, you shall live also. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. He that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. And so this is where Judas, not Iscariot, is confused. How is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? Because they, again, not exactly hearing what the Lord is saying. He's, he's hearing what the Lord's saying and putting it in his mind how he wants it to work out. Well, when the Lord's going to have his kingdom set up here, and he's going to establish righteousness, and we're thinking of the second coming. And so Judas is hearing what the Lord's saying and fitting it right into what he already thinks and believes about what's going to happen. And I think sometimes we do the same thing. I, I know this one thing to be true. And when I'm reading the scripture, I'm going to take that and I'm going to fit it right in there. And I'm going to make it, and in a sense you make it mean something else entirely. And it's what's going on right now in the communities. Um, you know, where they talk about sin in, in one side, and in the other they talk about, well, we need to, to love one another. And so we fit this sin and the idea of love one another, and we make it mean, well, then we don't have to worry about sin. We just ignore it. We just love one another. We just get past it. We just accept everything and tolerate everything, and we'll be at peace. And that's a lie. It doesn't even make any sense. If you really think about it and really broke it down, a five-year-old could tell you, well, that doesn't make any sense. We just, okay, then I'll just do whatever I want. Why are, you, why are you correcting me? Why are you telling me I can't do this? Well, I want a cookie. You can't have a cookie. Well, why not? Well, because it's not dinner yet. Well, so? You're supposed to love me. You know what I'm saying? It just it doesn't make any sense. 
But this idea, it says, again, we get back to keeping the commandments of the Lord, showing forth our love by keeping the commandments. And so Jesus answered the question of Judas and said, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which he hear is not mine, but the Father which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. So these are the things that the Lord is telling what will take place. That indeed he'll send a comforter. The Holy Spirit's going to come and is going to indwell us. But also that the Father and himself are going to indwell us as well. Going to make abode. And this was put to me, I think Dave put it to me this way. How many rooms do they have access to in your house? Do they have access to go anywhere? And the idea is, how many rooms do they have access in your heart? Well, okay, you know, you guys stay out of this one. Because I, I, I personally like doing this, so, so you can't come in here. That's not, really, that's not really how it works. They're supposed to have free reign. Go in and out. Verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, you would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and hath nothing in me. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. So we have the comforter that's going to come to us and bring to remembrance all these things for the, for the disciples there. And we see that John wrote this, this gospel late in life. I mean, to be able to remember these finite details of what took place at this Last Supper would be very, very difficult you know, some 60 years from now. But the Holy Spirit was the one that came that brought remembrance to all these things that John penned, all these instructions, all these truths. And in verse 27, it says, Peace I live with you, my peace I give unto you. And he says, not as the world gives it. And You know, we talk about peace in the world. And we talk about making peace, bringing peace, world peace, all these things. And we all agree that would be a wonderful thing. Peace is wonderful. It's not going to happen unless the Lord does it. It's just, it's not going to. Because what the world does is we have peace right now. But if you make wrong move, then we don't have peace anymore. Then we go back to war. And then we make peace again. Well, it's only for a while. It's not going to last. This isn't a sustainable peace. Because eventually those people that made peace die and new people come and they're like, no, I didn't make peace with you. You know, the Lord doesn't give it that way. When the Lord gives us peace with God, he gives us peace with God. That's it. We, we are at peace with God. I mean, I still haven't gotten over that peace with God. I, I, I still, when I think back to when I trusted Christ, I still can't believe it. I still just, it's unbelievable, the grace of God, that his son would die in my place. And that by faith, faith alone, all you got to do is have faith in the finished work of Christ. And I remember it being so difficult 
What does that mean? What, what, faith in what? How do I know? Can't you show me something? Can't you give me something? Can't I, you know, something? Doesn't make sense. But I know the moment I believed, I knew it was true. And that's the peace we have. Not that I hope or... Because when we talk about hope, when the Bible talks about hope, it talks about a sure hope. This is a, a certainty. This isn't like, well, I hope it's going to be like this. This is like, man, I hope it's going to be like this. Like, I can't wait to get there because it is going to be like this. It's a sure hope. When we talk about hope, it's like, man, you know, roll the dice, um, pick a lucky number. I hope it's the right one. It's not the same. It's a sure hope. And the idea of peace, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. <clears throat> and it says, you have heard how, how I said I go I go away and come again unto you. If you love me, you would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And this is a verse, again, people have taken it out, out of context. The Lord is explaining in this point that he, in a sense, he is equal with God. Let's not make, let's, let's just put the cards on the table. Holy Spirit, God the Son, Jesus Christ, God the Father, all equal. Christ chose to make himself in subjection to the Father. To do everything the Father instructed. To go to the cross and to die and to bear the sins of the world in his body. That by the shedding of his blood, we could have remission of sins. That's what God instructed. And that's what the Lord did. Do you believe that? I remember thinking, yeah, okay, I get that. I wasn't saved, but yeah, I understand. So how do you get to heaven? Well, you got to be a good person. You got to do good things and you got to keep going. Okay, obviously you don't understand. That's not what it means. And you get to the point where we always come back to that question that kind of brings the truth out. How do you get to heaven? Well, I'm not really sure. I don't know. I can't explain it. It's too hard. You know, you got to be a theologian to understand these things. And it's the idea here, he's going to give us, he is the life. And I think of Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. He was blind, he was on the side of the road, he was begging. And the Lord comes by, and he knows it's the Lord, and he says, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He says it over and over again. And they're telling him, keep it down, you know, stop yelling. And he keeps going. He's, he doesn't care if he's humiliated. He, he doesn't care. The Lord calls Bartimaeus unto himself. Bartimaeus, I don't know how he gets there, but he gets there. And the Lord asks him, what would you have me do for you? And if I was Bartimaeus, I'd be like, it's kind of obvious, right? I mean, I can't see. I'm blind. I want you to give me sight. And the Lord knows what Bartimaeus wants. But the question is proposed. What would you have me do for you? Lord, that I may see. I'm tired of living in darkness. I'm tired of not knowing. I'm tired of waking up every day and not being able to see, not knowing what's in front of me, not knowing what's behind me, not knowing colors, not knowing any of these things. I'm tired. And it wasn't until I came to that point where it's like, I'm tired of not knowing what the truth is. 
I'm tired of making up all these dumb reasons about how intellectual I can be, philosophical you can be about eternity. I'm tired. I just want to know the truth. And at that point it says, what was Jesus Christ doing on the cross? Well, he was dying for the sins of the world. Okay. Were yours included in that? Yeah. So did it, was it not enough? Did, did he not do it? Are you going to add to it? Well, no. That's all it is. Do you have faith that his work on the cross was enough for you? That, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way. No one comes unto the Father but by him. If you don't believe him, I can tell you where you're going. And it's not a good place. Nobody wants to go there. And you have to answer that for your own, for your own self. You have to make a decision. I'm going to, by faith, trust in the word of God that Christ is exactly who he says he is, that I am exactly who he says he, I am. I am the sinner that Christ came to save. That's what the word tells me. And we talk about love, the love of God. Go through all of these things so that I could know that he loves me. It's a beautiful, a beautiful thing. And the idea is the Lord in the same sense. He says in verse 31, he doesn't say so that you may know the disciples. This, is one, this wasn't something just for the disciples. He says but the, that the world may know that I love the Father. This, is, this has become one of my favorite passages in the scripture um, through this study. Because it's just, you see all of the things that the Lord has done so that we can know for sure. He loves us, that the way is made, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. If anyone has any question, if when asked, how do you get to heaven? If your answer is, I'm not really sure, this is the time to be like those disciples and ask. Because there's, there's going to be people like me, you have no idea how many years down the road that your story is going to come up and people are going to say, and I remember this person and they stayed after and they were humiliated, but they asked and they got saved. And it's going to encourage somebody and somebody else is going to trust Christ. Because I was that person who stood in the middle of a church bowl and, and I assumed everyone else around me was saved. Everyone else around me knew the answer. I was the only one that didn't know the answer. And there I was standing by myself in the middle of this thing feeling dumb, feeling foolish. And it was like, you know what? I, I got to do this. I don't care how, I'm tired. I don't care how dumb I feel. I don't care how dumb I look. I don't care what they think of me. And reality is, they were all praying for me. <laughs> they all were just, come on, come on, get down there and ask the question. And thankfully I did. Thankfully I did. And so I encourage anyone here, if, if you don't know the way, if you don't know Christ, Please ask. Ask someone. Ask someone here. We'll go ahead and close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we have um, the opportunity to speak your word. Father, that we have the opportunity to open it, to read it for ourselves, to, to see that how much you loved us and that you would send your Son. 
Father, that in all these things you desire fellowship with us to give us life and to give us life more abundantly. We just pray that we may live a life that shows our love for you by keeping our Lord's commandments. Father, by encouraging one another to do the same, by living it out, that the world may know all these things. Father, we just ask a blessing upon this day, if anyone be not saved, that today is the day they may be born again. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.